This message is brought to you by this excellent church. We excel at reshaping people's values and reconciling men to God. You're about to hear peace and preach. Be blessed. Amen. So throughout the series, we've talked about how, what the problem was, isn't it? We talked about what the problem was and we talked about the progression of how God, first of all, had to make us realize the problem through the law and how he solved that problem and the facets of the ways through which he solved that problem. Hallelujah. And we said that it was by the facets of the work of salvation are as clearly seen. The major themes are seen in the scriptures are atonement, redemption, and justification. Hallelujah. Atonement, the hilasterion, somebody, an animal dying on our behalf to absorb the wrath of the deity. Justification, when we, that is when we are declared, when a, a pardon is declared over us and a redemption as a ransoming when you are taken under the power of an entity and the sacrifice is paid on your behalf that bought you from that dimension. Hallelujah. From, I just said dimension. <laughs> bought you from that, um, you know, condition, wherever it is you were. Hallelujah. And so we said last week that, you know, everything that we have is received by faith. And today I'm going to be ending with what the result is. What's the, what, I'm sure it's something that we all know, something that most of us, we all look like people that have things, you all look like people that you are familiar with these things, hallelujah. But just, you know, just talk about them. What was the result of what Jesus did? Oh, we received it by faith, and then we came out on the other end. And what was the result? Three things I want to talk about this morning. Number one is that we are now reconciled with God, hallelujah. The second thing is that we now have a new nature, fundamentally. Some things about our ontology changed, praise God. There's no smaller word for it, I'll show you. There's something about our nature changed. So we received a new nature. We received a new nature. And the third thing is that we also received new privileges. We received new privileges. We'll just talk about those three things. Hallelujah. So he saved us from our sin. And now we are one with God. Now we are one with God. Second Corinthians chapter 5, the first point. Second Corinthians chapter 5. I'm sure all of us know it. But these are things that we must always keep in our mind. First Corinthians chapter, Second Corinthians chapter five, from verse seventeen. It says, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come; the old has gone; the new is here." So you can see the second point, but I'll still get back to it. The first point, we're going to focus on the first point for now. Verse eighteen now says, "All this is from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ." That that God, who gave us the ministry, sorry, let me take it again. All this, verse 18, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's what? Sins against them. And he has committed unto us the ministry of what? Reconciliation. Not counting their sins unto them, but giving us the ministry of what? Reconciliation. The, when man fell and sin was the problem, let me just stress this once again. If they, you didn't get anything from this series, let me just stress it once again, please. We must not have a low view of salvation. We must not have a low view of salvation. We must have a high view of salvation. And a high view of salvation can only be, it can only be attained, you can only have a high view of salvation if you have a proper understanding of what the problem was. And the problem was not poverty. The problem was not sickness. The problem was not marriage issues. The problem was not career stagnation. 
The problem was not demonic possession. The problem was sin. Sin is what made us enemies of God. Sin is to rebel against God. And, you know, sin is to rebel against God. We receive the nature and the predisposition to sin and we're committing acts that made us enemies of God. Every one of us. So he did the work of salvation. And what he did was that he now reconciled us to God. Hallelujah. Say he has reconciled me to himself. Say it again. He has reconciled me to himself. Praise Jesus. That's why he says not counting their sins against them. He says no more counting their sins against them. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So he has reconciled us to God. He has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has also given us a work, given us a job that we should go out into the world and bring everybody. And that is why the, 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 you know, the, the, the ministry, this ministry's um, mission, our division, the, ministry, the mission that we have is to reshape values and to do what? Reconcile the world to Christ. Hallelujah. It's to reconcile the world to Christ. That's the job that we have been doing. That, that, that we have been doing. That's the job that we have been given. Hallelujah. That's the job that we have been given. We've been given a world job of reconciling men to God. Verse 20 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though we are making as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. Hallelujah. Now, this is something very interesting. They are the new creature. He already told us that we are the new creature. He already told us that he has reconciled us to himself, to Christ. He now says that we are begging you to be reconciled to God. <laughs> Praise God. Something very interesting. That tells you that we have been reconciled and we have been reconciled. Do you understand that? Mm. It's very important. We have been reconciled and we are being reconciled. That means that you have been reconciled to Christ. You must stay reconciled. You must get closer and closer in your reconciliation. Your reconciliation must get deeper and deeper, firmer and firmer. So that's why he will tell a body that has been reconciled, be reconciled. That means there's another level of reconciliation. Of course, we have been reconciled, we are now there. But you must draw closer and closer and closer and closer. I know that there's a subset of, you know, um, we'll say this without sounding disparaging. I know that they, you know, we have folks, we have folks, we have Christian brothers and sisters who think and tend to err on the side of assuming that salvation has taken care of a lot of things and that some things are not being done. And you know that's why they rebel against the idea of a Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews telling Christians that you are to upon the throne of, of grace to receive mercy in time of need. And say you're already at that, you know, think we're already at the throne of grace and we're not receiving any mercy again. So if we've been reconciled, why is Paul telling people to be reconciled? Hallelujah. You are the throne of mercy and you will approach it again. Praise God. You are sanctified and you will keep going in sanctification. So I'm saying to you. That's why you are forgiven, and when you commit sin, you will still confess and ask for forgiveness. That's why, even though the prodigal son was still his father's son, when he fell before his father's needs, he didn't say, Father, I've been justified. You are a good father. You are a holy father. I know I'm okay. Praise God. Now rejoice. Father, I know that I've squandered everything you gave me, but I'm your son. Ooh, hallelujah. You will do that after you have knelt down. After he has said, oh yeah, stand up, let's go and kill a fat cow for you. Then you now, hallelujah, you understand that, right? You now rejoice and do who glory. But you will first kneel down and say, Father, I am not worthy. Praise God. That's the real son. The son that approaches his father like this. 
The father saw you from afar and ran towards you. And you did not fall down and break down and say, I'm not worthy. And I said, Father, I'm your son. You don't have a choice. <laughs> That's not your son. <laughs> you are not your son. <laughs> you are, let me not say it. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Verse 20, he says, we are, um, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though we're making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him, whom, him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. The work of salvation is what took care of the problem, because we are the righteousness of God, is the reason why we are reconciled to God. Because God is holy. I can't say that thing enough. I can't say it enough. God is holy. God is just. God cannot behold sin. God cannot behold sin. That's not what it said today. Right? You know, you don't understand. It's nobody that said it. Hallelujah. You see, and it's true. All right? You know, let's just say it as it is. Praise God. We are, we are ambassadors of Christ. Hallelujah. So let's just say the truth. Listen. If a person did not receive salvation for sins, the person is not saved. Because that is the problem. If you, don't have, if you don't have the righteousness of God, you are still an enemy of God. Do you understand that? Because God cannot behold sin. Something has to be done such that when they look at you, what they see is the righteousness of Jesus, not your own. If you do not know and you did not receive that righteousness of Jesus, and what you are doing is that you are on your own, no matter how much you are, you know, Shouting and saying, see me, see me. The God cannot behold sin. In fact, it's because he's a good God that he's not looking at you. Because if he looks at you, you know what will happen with your sin. You know what will happen to you, right? You'll be obliterated. Because when light shines on darkness, what happens to darkness? Are you going to you? It's the righteousness of God that we receive that now makes us to be one and now have a fellowship with God again. That's why now the believer is reconciled to God. You don't think like an enemy of God. That's why you conduct yourself the way you do. That's why you have a heart of repentance and brokenness and contrition when you do something wrong. Because this is not me. I'm a child of God. This is not me. I'm a child of God. I can do better. I can do better. If the righteous falls seven times, he will do what? Rise up again. I can do better. That's why Christians don't say, oh, no, nothing is wrong. I'm saying I have some righteousness and all that. I don't say you have done something and not say just confess your just confess your righteousness. If you... <laughs> Which righteousness are you confessing when you don't acknowledge your sin? Think about it. What righteousness is that? Church so, together. So we see his revelation uh, is what we have been saying, right? We don't say it out who have, but he said it to so them just quickly say it too. If a man did not receive the righteousness of God, he's still in his sins. That's why you can gather 20,000 people, 30,000 people, and most of them are, have come there and they believe that what they were saved from was from poverty. <laughs> hey. What have you been saved from? What is the evidence of your salvation? What is the assurance of your salvation? That I have money more than unbelievers. Hey. Hey, the assurance is that the Holy Spirit will help me to become your guy in my office. Problem. <laughs> Hallelujah. Church, I was together. Romans chapter 5. We're still talking about reconciliation. Romans chapter 5, 
verse 10 says, For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? This is life. Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received what? Reconciliation. He says, while we were God's enemies, he reconciled us. That's the problem. It's not poverty. We were God's enemies. And the just recompense, the thing that was due for us was wrath. That's why it says that by nature we were children of what? Wrath. That was the right thing that would happen to us. That was the just thing that was meant to happen to us. That was what was supposed to be our lot as far as a holy God is concerned. It's only an unholy God that being his enemy is no big deal. Alright? That's paganism. See, I'm not really a friend of Jupiter, but I'm a friend of Dionysius. So Jupiter is not my friend. I don't care about Jupiter, but I'm a friend of Dionysius. You can't do that with the omniscient mind, the ground reality himself, existence himself, the one upon whom all creation and all existence is based on. You can't say that to him. You can't say, um, I'm, I'm your enemy and it's okay. If you are his enemy, you will know what it means to be the enemy of God. <laughs> These were the things that the people of old understood. I think that people have all understood. He asked David, was it not David? That he gave two options. Say, choose one. Between, how was the articulation? I'll check it, but let me not, you know, go through. Even the prophets of old understood this. That being an enemy of God is not something you play with. And Jesus did the work and made us friends of God. Hallelujah. Colossians chapter 1. Say, I'm not an enemy of God. I'm a friend of God. God is now my father. God has adopted me. I am his son. I'm his daughter. So that the feminists will not be angry, right? I say I'm his son. I'm his daughter. Praise God. Colossians <laughs> chapter 1, verse 19. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell with him in him. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven. By making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Hallelujah. Praise God. Reconciliation was achieved by the shedding of his blood. Reconciliation was achieved by the shedding of his blood. Such that even those who had died before the shedding of the blood, you know, now received that reconciliation by reason of the shedding. Praise God. Let's not go into all the eschatology of that. But the shedding of the blood was the way by which even those who had died before Jesus you know, before Jesus came, it was that way by which they also were reconciled to God. First Corinthians chapter 6. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Says, By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Can you see that? Your bodies are members of Christ. To, share, to tell you how close you are to God. Even your bodies are members of Christ himself. Shall I then take the member of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, two will become one flesh. There's a kind of union and fellowship that people have in the place of physical cons consummation, also called sex. Praise God. There's a kind of union and fellowship that they have where they become one flesh. Hallelujah. This is the understanding and, this, and the reasoning behind why the Lord frowns deeply 
on this consummation happening outside of the oath of marriage because it is a privilege that should not be enjoyed outside of the responsibility. Praise God. It's a great evil. It's a great evil. And when this fellowship and union is not had with multiple people, it is a triple evil. Hallelujah. Verse 17. But whoever is united with the Lord is one spirit in him. Hallelujah. I remember some years ago, there was a great dispute over this matter where folks used to say that being united with the Lord is once he that is joined with the Lord or he is united with the Lord or whatever translation you are using he said to be united with the Lord to the joint to the Lord is like what happens between flour, egg and sugar and milk praise God when you are baking a cake that the, it mixes together such that you cannot separate the sugar from the flour again hallelujah in the same way your spirit has mixed with the Holy Spirit and therefore you and the Holy Spirit are joined together it cannot be separated hallelujah hey and then folks <laughs> Folks began to almost say things like, I'm dating. The power is mine. Can you call, can you come? Because they are saying, okay, okay. Praise God. Hallelujah. For the sake of those who want to read their Bible and proper story, if you check the word united, there's just the word kalau, which just means friendship, means bond. It means to be close to someone, for your soul to be knit with someone. Hallelujah. It means to be cleaved together with someone. The same way it says, husband and wife will cleave together. That's where you can check the, the Greek of it. That's all that it means. So, praise God. So when a man, when two guys are very close friends, we say they have kalao, they are united, they are friends, they have a bond. Hallelujah. When a man and woman are very close together, they have a bond, praise God. In the same way, that's what it means, he joined. I mean, look at the analogy that he gave earlier. He says if a man joins himself with a prostitute, they are one flesh. Does that mean that if a man sleeps with a prostitute, both of them are walking together on the road, and you understand what I mean? Like Thunderbolt, Margo, you understand? Hallelujah, does it make sense? Well, both of them are fused like amoeba. Does it make sense, right? Okay. It's just funny. Hallelujah. But thank God those things have passed. We're not hearing it again. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Now they laugh, okay? <laughs> so we are now united with God. We now have a bond with God. We are now friends with God. God is actually your friend. God is actually your father. I want that to sink in. That God is actually your father. God is not far from you. That's why we can pray and talk to God. That's how you know that no matter what I'm going through, my life is in God's hands. Praise Jesus. That's why no matter what I'm going through, my life is in God's hands. There's some good analogies we used to hear back then in youth church. There's one story of a guy that said he was walking through a dark place and he used to see God's steps, footsteps, and his own footsteps. Or sorry, I don't know the story, but this basically had the impression I have in my mind where a guy was going through a tough time and he was looking back at what happened and everything and he was seeing his footsteps and Jesus' footsteps walking together and then at a certain point he saw that it was only one footsteps and that was the time when things were going bad or difficult or uncomfortable that's when he was suffering and I was asking the Lord that Lord why did you abandon me in this place why is it that it's only my footsteps and then Jesus said no I was actually carrying you the footsteps you are seeing is my own hallelujah oh that's some good stuff <laughs> amen <laughs> no that's some good stuff hallelujah this is the conversation with telling, telling teenagers did you understand that story hallelujah I'll tell you again very well after service, right? That's some good stuff. Do you know why? Because that means that when you are going through some uncomfortable times and it feels like as if you are alone, you are not alone because God is with you. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So even when it seems like you are going through tough times and it feels like you are alone, it's only a feeling you are not alone. God is with you. If you are willing and patient and you are going to stay through to the end, you are going to look back and see ah, that truly God was faithful. There are a lot of things that cannot be understood during the process. Do you know that? There are a lot of things that cannot be understood during the process. Some things can only be properly appreciated when you look back. 
It's when Joseph had cooked that he looked back and said, what you were doing was not for you. It was actually God that was using you. You can't, you can't tell that kind of thing during what is happening. There are some times in your life, there are some periods in your life that you'll be praying and the only thing you'll be receiving consistently is just don't give up. What you'll be receiving is strength, encouragement. Just don't give up. Just continue. You are looking for a special word, a new word that will tell you something that will make you know that God is and all you are hearing at that time is don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. See, you are not better than Jesus. You are not better than Jesus. And if Jesus, in, in his humanity, when he came to the world, he experienced the kind of thing that would make him say, ah, my father, why have you abandoned me? Trust me, your own is coming. It's extremely childish for you to go through some things and it feels like as if God has abandoned you and you feel like as if you are the only one. If it happened to Jesus, who are you? Here I just said, man. Expect it. Jesus told the apostles, expect tribulations in this world, but just know that in all of them are words with you. God is with us no matter the tribulation. God is with us no matter the tribulation. God is with us no matter the discomfort. God is with us no matter the suffering. God is with us. We are now one with God. If the Lord can cry out on the cross and say, my father, my father, why have you for abandoned me? Listen to me. Your own is coming. It's not a cause. Right? That's why we are not, you know, because I'll tell you the truth. Everybody tell you that, see, if you confess it hard enough, if you believe it hard enough, you're not going to have tough time. person is just deceiving you and cooking you so you can become an atheist when you go to Canada. Some things will happen and it will be like as if God is not with you. But one thing that you can depend on is that God will never leave you nor forsake you. The reason for that event, the Lord is using it as a chastisement to strengthen you. You are going to look back and see how this thing made you better. You will. If you don't fret, you will. Hallelujah. Church, I will together. So we are reconciled to God. Don't say I'm reconciled to God. I want you to say it with meaning and actually mean it. Let your mind be fruitful when you say it. Say, I am reconciled to God. God is my friend. God is my father. God is one with me. Hallelujah. Praise God. Another thing is that we have received a new nature. Hebrews chapter 9. This is what salvation has done for us. In Hebrews chapter 9, the writer of Hebrews tells us, verse 11 says, But when Christ came as a high priest of the good things that are now already, already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, it is not part of his creation. He did not enter by means of blood of that the beings of blood of, of goats and calves, but he entered into the entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. Hallelujah. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse us from our consciences, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God. Hallelujah. So when the blood was, you know, when atonement was done for us and, and salvation was done, what it did was that first of all, he began to regenerate us. So something happened even in our consciousness. That component of our consciousness that is called our conscience, we were purged and our consciences became tender. Our consciences became tender. When we were enemies of God, sin was normal for us. 
were under the control of sin, were under the compulsion of sin. Sin was our nature, so we didn't think it was bad. That's why it's not, you, sh- you shouldn't feel strange when you talk to um, an unbeliever, when you talk to someone that is not saved, and the person does not see a big deal in what, in what they are doing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Church, all together. The blood does something, it's something that even, you know, we cannot even fully understand how we did it. There are testimonies of people like David Wood, I'm sure many of us know him. How a sociopath, a proper psychopath, that if you know in psychology, we talk about psychopath, that means that these people in their mind, they have a disease whereby they don't have a conscience. As in, they don't feel pain, people's pain. They cannot relate to it. Everybody has empathy. And when somebody is suffering, it's, you can feel the person suffering also. These people have a disease. They, you know, the broken world affects us in different ways. And their own disease is that in their mind, they cannot feel the pain of other people. So using other people for their own advances, imagine you being your normal selfish self and the only thing that is stopping you from doing evil now, you know, as you are now, the reason that is stopping from doing a lot of things is that you are thinking of how the other person will feel, isn't it? Imagine if that part of you was gone and you cannot feel what another person is feeling. You cannot feel what another person is feeling. If they cut someone in front of you, cut the person's neck, the person is bleeding, to you it will just be like as if they are just pouring red water on the floor. You don't feel it. Every normal person when you're watching movies and they're killing will be like, eh, <laughs> such a person will receive the gospel and believe and to purge their conscience. And somebody that was willing to kill his own father, went to the house to go and kill his father, his own father, will not become a changed man. That's what the gospel does. It actually changes your nature. Ah, that's why I say what I'm saying. Listen to me. If you say you are saved, and you come out on the other side and you are living like a child of Satan. You are not saved though. <laughs> you say you have received the blood and your conscience has not been purged. And you are thinking you still, you know, like normal. All the things that you used to do before. See, I get it that we are growing in some things. But we must not expand that um, understanding beyond its bounds. In all of Christian history and tradition, we know our fathers, what our father handed over to us is that when a person becomes saved, their life changes. They call, they call them and were born again. That's what we received. That's what we've always known. It's just in the last um, few decades of, you know, that it now became something like a person can be saved, but you cannot really tell whether a person is saved. There's no difference between those that are saved and those that are not saved. You say a good unbeliever, he looks like a Christian that is growing. That's not the way it was, though. And Muslim uncle always talks about my mom. Now that's how when she gave birth, too. That's how, that's how when she gave her life to Christ, too. I said, oh, no, she was born again. I was laughing at her. I said, now I think I said, that's a good testimony. Because she was in the world before, living her life large, and then she received Christ and became what? Sober. You are non-believers. Believe you have agreement in all your philosophies and ideas on that talk of the world. The thing, let me not talk. Romans chapter 6. We received a new life. And this new life does not only desire to please God, it also has the capacity to please God. You hear what I just said now? This new life does not only have the desire to please God, it also has the capacity to please God. Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who died towards sin. How can we live in it any longer? 
Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? All of us that were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through the baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live in a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in the resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Say, I've been set free from sin. I've been set free from sin. So sin does not rule you anymore. You don't have a compulsion. You don't have a compulsion. Let me tell you how I know you don't have a compulsion. The reason why I know you don't have a compulsion is that you are seated in, 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 in church and we're having a time as believers, right? And, we are, and the power of God is strong amongst us. And we're, you know, we're having all kinds of emotionalism and God is strong on your mind. Have you noticed that you don't feel like doing bad things during that time? Do you feel like doing bad things when you're in church? Why not? Because it's your nature. When you go out and it seems worrying, it's like I say, ah, I couldn't stop myself. No. It's because you wanted to. Because when you are like yourself, if you are in your natural elements among Christians, in the body of Christ, doing the thing that Christians do, you find out that you don't feel like doing some things. It's when you are outside and you are, and that's why Paul uses the kind of language that he, that he does. When you are now yielding your members, that's when you now find that like, I say, ah, I want to do this thing, but I'm not doing it, I know that. No. You are very different from an unbeliever. A non-believer comes and is among Christians and everything. If he wants to do, he will still be feeling like doing it. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? That's how I know that evil do- sin does not rule over you. You have the Holy Spirit. Sin does not rule over you. You have just filled your heart with dirty things. And it's affecting the issues that are coming from your mind, from your, of your life. I get what I'm saying to you. Look at verse 5. It says, for if we have been united with him in the... De- okay, sorry. Verse, that was verse seven. Now verse 8, it now says, now, that, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. For we know that since Christ was, was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Hallelujah. So if you look at the explanation he died, it said, he said, if you die to something, that thing does not have power over you. That's because Jesus died once. Death cannot kill him. Even in his human, his, his human components, right? You know, he's truly God and truly man. So he cannot die because he has died once and he cannot die because death has no power over him. In the same way, when you received the Christ and you were baptized and you were raised out and you were raised out, you know, that's why our Lutheran brothers insist that you must be baptized, all right? Because, <laughs> all right, let's continue. So, you know, you were baptized with Christ and you came out. See, let me tell you something. You died to sin. So, sin does not have power over you. Does the same way Jesus cannot die again. The same way you too, you don't have to sin again. You don't have to. You actually don't have to. Praise Jesus. You see, if it goes on, it talks about that we're now slaves to righteousness, that what you yield your mind, your members to, is who you are a slave of. So if you yield your members to sin, you are now going back to your, to allow yourself to be a slave of what God has delivered you from. And in chapter 7, he now tells us that, whereas his sisters now, he now says, I'm speaking to those who know the law. I'm going to talk about the, the, the issues and the experience of a man who was under the law, that sin was, that the law came and awakened sin in him. And because of that, he could not control himself and all that. And he was he, he knows that he wanted to do good, but you know, he finds himself doing evil and all that. But that, of course, that's not your situation because you're not the man that you love. Then in chapter 8, it now says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ through Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit who the, 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 the law of the spirit of life 
the law of the spirit who gives life. Sorry, I was quoting the KJV. You know that thing that you read your Bible? <laughs> Let me just read it again. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of what? Sin and death. So what that man under the law was experiencing, you don't express it anymore. Because he has set you free from what? Sin. Hallelujah. For, we, we, for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son. And then it goes on and on and now goes on and now says, um, you know, you are not in the flesh. You are in the spirit. If, of course, the spirit of God dwells in you. And as men are led by the spirit of God, they are the what? Sons of God. That means that the spirit of God leads in your life. You are living your life by the spirit. A man, a man that is preoccupied with the things of the flesh cannot please God. Neither can he because his mind is on the things of the flesh. But the things of the spirit are at odds with the things of the flesh. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. So, so he says, brothers and sisters, we have no obligation to the flesh to live according to it. We have no more obligation. We have no more compulsion to live according to the flesh because we are in the spirit. Hallelujah. Praise God. Say, so if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But by the spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the, of the body. You will what? Live. Hallelujah. Praise God. The spirit you have received does not make you slave so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you, you, but the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba Father, hallelujah, praise God. So that's why Galatians 5 talks about the fruits of the flesh and the fruits of the spirit. And says you can walk in the spirit. Walk in the spirit. Walk in the spirit. That's your new nature. You have a new nature that desires to live for God and has the ability to live for God. You have now your, your conscience has been purged. Your, ten, your conscience is now tender. So you have the desire to live for God and you have the ability to do the same. Praise God. Praise Jesus. Oh, there's one scripture I'd love to read. Hebrews chapter 11, 13. There's one scripture. Hebrews chapter 13. Look at verse 11. It says, The high priest who carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. Do you remember that time we are talking about the atonement? You know what i But the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside of the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Say, I'm holy. If they call you holy, holy, receive it with your mouth, it's your chest. Hallelujah. Praise God. Verse 13 now says, Let us then go to him outside of the camp, bearing the disgrace he has bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. So Jesus went outside of the city to suffer. That is why it is not strange that because of the new nature that we have, we don't mind not fitting in. We don't mind not fitting in. A Christian that has the new nature, that desires to please God and has the ability to please God, does not look for the validation of the world. The amount of likes and retweets on social media cannot be the, the basis of your validation. Your desire cannot be to please the world. Your desire now is to please the Lord. So just like Jesus suffered outside of the city, what happens is that we will also go outside of the city to bear his disgrace with him. So that means that in many ways, we will do things that are uncool. Just like what I'm saying to you. Like what I'm saying to you. Mm. We are going to do things and say things that are uncool. We're going to do things and say things that are strange. Blessed be the name of the Lord if you walk in an office where, or in a place of work, or you have a neighborhood where many of them are also Christians like you. So you might not really stick out because all of you should behave like that. But if you go to a place where there are many unbelievers, you must stick out. You must stick out. If you are going to be active on Twitter, you will be ratioed every once in a while. It is normal. It is normal. We must go outside and bear his disgrace with him. Because the desire to please him, some disgrace follows it. You understand what I'm saying to you? 
can I preach? In the 21st century, they are seeing all kinds of things are cool. They are having all kinds of isms. All kinds of isms. Jesus himself came and told us, right, that see, the way I want your family units to be is the husband will be the head. The wife supports him and submit to him and love him. Husband, serve your wife, but you are the head. You are living in a world where that is untenable. If you say it with your chest as a woman that you submit to your husband, they will disgrace you. But you should accept your disgrace. Your desire now is to please the Lord. It's not to conform or be cool. Leave them. Alright? They will still come to you for counseling. They are the ones that don't understand what Christian family is. They don't understand what submission is. They think it's oppression. Satan has blooded them. Mother, you explain, they will tell you, it's no, no, no. It's that he will more. Paul was a misogynist. That's your problem. I take you with my chest. That said to husband's love, oh no, your wife has weaker very now say Peter is a misogynist. Say women are weaker, you all more. Maybe if we go and play football together, we'll, we'll get the same score in the goalpost. He's saying something that all of us have ever always known, but you are angry, no problem. You must go outside of the camp to bear his disgrace with him. I get what I'm saying to you. You know, a church of young people, so you understand this thing I'm saying. Go outside of the camp to bear his disgrace with him. As you are growing older, the kind of things we'll be having will be different. You're working for federal government or all those kind of things, and all the people around you are doing evil, stealing money and all that. Go outside of the camp and bear his disgrace with him. The desire to please men must die because you have a new nature now. Your desire is to please the Lord and you have the capacity. Go outside of the city to bear his disgrace with him. They're in the office and they're saying, okay, we're going to have a Christmas party. Now you guys should wait behind and everything. And then next thing, the atmosphere starts changing. And then they start sharing red cup. And they're pouring some brown, brown stuff inside cups and everything. And then you can see people's behavior has started changing. You can see demons that raised died flowing around the place. And you know that, you know, you have to feel among for the sake of, you know, work politics now. If they feel you are an outsider, it can, have, it can have be an appraisal issue, all right? You know, when things are happening, you'll be outside, you'll be left out and everything. And then you too, you'll not be like, okay, well, let me just make friends. Let me just make friends. Okay, ah, see. Go outside of the world, city. Go outside of the world. That's why they'll start telling you rubbish. They'll start telling you nonsense. And someone start telling you, ah, yeah, actually, you're very, very fine, but your wife is lucky. Don't tell me. I know. Don't tell me. I hear what I'm saying to you. Go outside of the world, city. Right? You, you know, all of us, Christian relationship and everything, and all that. <laughs> Say everything is okay, everything is alright, and all that, and all that. And your body is feeling one kind. And you are locked together in a room. I'm, now I'm telling you based on experience. Your body is feeling one kind, and everything, and everything. I say, you know what? We're saved. We're cocoa Christians together. Hallelujah. We've both listened to Faces of Our Salvation, 10 parts. So we are justified. <laughs> They are not justified. <laughs> Praise God. Go outside of the world. City. Hallelujah. And let me just end on these notes. Finally, he gives us new privileges. Gives us new privileges. First Corinthians chapter 12. We have new gifts. He gave us new privileges that we can enjoy. 
Look at verse 3. It says, Therefore I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus because. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So you have the Holy Spirit. That's it. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Say, God is at work in me. Come on, say with some confidence. Say, God is at work in me. He says, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Hallelujah. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to me. God is at work in me. God is at work in me. Every child of God, God is at work in me, whether they like it or not. You can even be a sensationalist like Charles Spurgeon, all right? And then in the ministry, you find yourself giving words of knowledge, giving words of prophecy, because God is at work in you. Those are the new privileges that we have as children of God. The Holy Spirit is at work in me. 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 Hallelujah. You know, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 to 14, talked about how we should not run away from this salvation, that even those that did not receive it, look at the kind of punishment they survived, they, 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 they endured. How much more we, you know, says that this word was even confirmed by different signs, of wonder, signs and wonders according to how the Spirit gave it at his will. Hallelujah. In Acts chapter 1, from verse 4 to 8, Jesus was telling them while he was breaking bed in post-resurrection Bible seminar. And I was telling them that you guys should come down and stay here because... I don't want you to go out because you have seen me now. Everybody wants to run out and say, Jesus has been resurrected. Everybody wants to jump out and shout, Jesus says, calm down, calm down, calm down. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. And he's going to be with you and then you will receive power when he comes. And you'll now be able to testify of me. So relax, don't really worry. Relax, when he comes, I know that you want to say a lot of things. But if you go out like this, the Spirit will just die. You cannot do it by your power. I will give you new privileges and ability, power, that will come upon you when the Holy Spirit comes, praise God. So the capacity, the privileges that are required for you to back up what you are preaching with evidence has been given to you. The power of God to back up your claims has been given to you. The power of God to back up your claims has been given to you. That's why once you become a missionary, you stop being a cessationist, praise God. Once you become an evangelist, you stop being a cessationist, hallelujah. You lose your cessationism in the... In the you, you will see yourself doing things. You will see God at work. Then you will know that God is at work in me. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, verse 3 to 8. Say, for by the grace of God, you say, for the, by, by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has attributed to each of you. For just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we though many form one body, and each member belongs to the others. We have different what? Gifts. According to the grace given to each of what? Or say I have the grace of God. I have the grace of God. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. The grace of God is upon you. So we have new privileges. Another new privilege, James chapter 4 by 7, says, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Romans chapter 16, verse 20. He says, The Lord is about to crush the head of Satan shortly under your feet. You know? Now you have new privileges. You and Satan are not in the same group chats. If he enters the WhatsApp group where you are, you are the admin. You remove him immediately. Once upon a time, you were in a WhatsApp group chat and Satan was the admin. But now, Jesus has come and removed you. Amen. And has put you in a new group chat where you are the admin. And if Satan enters that group chat, you do what? Resist him. It's not something you can tell a non-believer. You cannot tell Satan, a non-believer to resist Satan. Nothing. Satan is his daddy. They cannot resist Satan. 
but it is the privilege that believers have you can resist the devil the head of satan is crushed under your feet that means that if satan is dabbling in your things you can resist if he's whispering false information in your ear you can resist if he's walking around in things that are happening you can resist it and he will flee praise god you can resist it and it will flee that's a new privilege now you bow only to god now the person in charge of you is only the sovereign god praise god now you bow only to his will so satan has no hold on you satan has no power on you over you so the grace of god is at work in you the power of god is at work in you to have new privileges now you can pray to god and receive the answers to your prayer hallelujah church are we together you can receive you can pray to god and receive answers to your prayer you can prophesy the holy spirit can take control of your mouth and utter things that are beyond your intelligence praise god that's god that's working you that's god that's working you praise god you know we have the ability to speak with tongues that means we can speak inspired utterances in languages that we have never learned that is the gift of god god is at work in you praise god those are the new privileges that we have god is at work in me say god is at work in me god is at work in me so you have received salvation by faith now you are reconciled to god now you have a new nature now you have new privileges hallelujah thank you for listening to this message we hope you were blessed for more updates on our programs and audio messages follow us on twitter facebook and instagram at this excellent church god bless you